weeks. Here's what I want to encourage you to do, um, tell you to do, urge you to do, is when we're done here this morning, remember what we talked about, but go back and listen to the last two weeks' messages in the uh, chronological order, and then maybe you need to listen to this one again uh, as well, and you'll see how they progress from what we have called the Big C Church, and that is made up of everyone who has faith in Jesus Christ around the world, to the local church, the Little C Church, right here, Wendover Hills meeting here at, at this school. And so that's what we're talking about. Well, it's been an eventful couple of days uh, here. Um, I poured bacon grease all the way down the back of my hand, so, but I did not spill the bacon. All pieces were eaten. And I think that that's a pretty amazing accomplishment um, in itself. Uh, we had no janitor uh, here this morning, so we had to get opened up ourselves and, and get set up and going, but we did pretty good. We managed everything but finding the ladder to put the rest of the curtains up. Um, so thank you for those who were here and, and pretty energetically here at 8.30. I was surprised. It wasn't the normal glazed over look, so you must have just been raring to go. So I appreciate that. And as I looked at that this morning, I thought that's that's a church. That's the little C church. That's the local church just in action. And then when I hear testimony like we just heard, you see how these things work together. So we're going to continue this series uh, this week, and we're going to be wrapping it up. Next week, we start our annual celebration of hope, where we focus on those in our world that we can make an impact on. And we'll talk about that over the next three-week celebration of hope. So, but let's, uh, let's jump into this, and let me do it by praying for you. Uh, Father, I believe this morning that as we walk through this, this third progression in this teaching series, that you might very well this morning, Lord, be a God who wants to lean your foot over and to step down a little less than ginger. And so, Father, if that's how you want to work, may we receive and hear what you're having to say to us and challenge us up because we know you are a God who is in it for our good because you love us so dearly. We pray it in your son's name. Amen. Well, uh, Robert lived on the outskirts of Phoenix, Arizona, and he liked his friends to call him Fat Bob. That was his nickname. And uh, he loves life, he loves people, and he loves laughing at himself. So you can probably get a visual of Bob already just from those, uh, of Robert, from those few statements. He's got a job, he faithfully attends his church, but if you really want to see Robert excited, ask him about his Jeep. Any of you own Jeeps out there? It's like a cult, right? Yeah, okay. So ask him about his Jeep. He talks about it like it's a person. She's my baby, he would say affectionately. He searched for over two years everywhere to find the right yellow and black Wrangler. And he says it was spotless, it was gorgeous, is how Robert would describe it. He said this, once I got the Jeep, well, of course, I had to join the Jeep Club. I didn't even know those existed. Um, the local club had 1,500 active members. It offered meetings, parties, trail runs, and a website where members could exchange Jeep tips. Jeep parties? Really? Tom? Really? All right. All right. It's a whole Jeep community is what Robert says. Through the club, this is what he says, Robert hooked up with guys who taught him the finer points of four-wheeling. As his Jeep discipleship intensified, Robert's commitment only deepened. I was totally hooked, he said. Every free moment was consumed. I was either working on a Jeep, planning a Jeep run, hanging out or talking Jeep, or online checking out the Jeep website. Then one day, Robert went to a Christian conference. He went with this group of guys from the church who begged him to go. And on the final night, the speaker gave this message on the importance of a local church. It's what we've been talking about here uh, over the course of this series, right? But here's what the speaker said. He asked him a question, and he said, 
are you married to your church or are you dating your church? And that question unsettled Robert. God started speaking. He says, he was asking me, Robert, what are you married to? And the only thing I could think of was the Jeep Club. It was obvious. I'd never seen it before. I was married to the Jeep Club and I was dating my church. So more on Robert's story in just a minute, but I want you to hear this to set the tone, this quote from John Stott. He's a pastor and theologian and the author of a book you might be familiar with called Basic Christianity. Here's what he says. If the church is central to God's purpose as seen in both history and the gospel, it must surely be central in our lives. How can we take likely what God takes so seriously? How dare we push to the circumference what God has placed at the center? Back to Robert. He realized over the past two years he had pushed church on the outskirts of his life. He had invested so much time in his Jeep club and very, very little time in his church. This is what he said. The reality is I had no passion for the people of church. I would do anything for the guys in the club, but I really struggled if I was asked to give any time to serve my church, let alone interested in hearing about what God might have for my life. So let me ask you this morning, what does passion for church look like in your life? It's really, it's not hard to figure out. You and I, we have the answer. Uh, we know exactly what it's like to be passionate about something, right? Because all of us have our own version of the Jeep Club in our life, right? Something like that. Some interest or pursuit where we care about it deeply. And it might be a hobby, it might be a sport, it might be opportunities for our kids, and on and on the list goes. It might be technology, your health, it might be a political party, it might be a cause, or it may be a relationship. But we have some form of this Jeep club, right? Sometimes the sign of this passionate commitment to something is clear and obvious, but we haven't even seen it yet. So take a moment, identify your club. There's a good chance that when you do, you'll see a pattern of what passion looks like in your life. Passion. It's what you talk about, right? It's what you think about. It's what you dream about. Your passion is what you give your time to without complaint. It's what you find your identity in. It's what you're willing to sacrifice for. Now, not surprisingly, the New Testament scripture that we've been talking about, this New Testament, it gives this clear and helpful teaching on what a passionate involvement in the local church looks like. Look, we're saying that the Bible actually lays out for its followers what does it look like to be passionate about the local church. So we're going to look at that over the next few minutes and walk through what it looks like in God's Word to be passionate on the local church as a profile for our lives. So here's number one. You join. You join. Just like Robert and his Jeep Club, when you're passionate, you want to sign up. You want to sign up for it. We want to belong. We want to be identified as a member when we're passionate about something. When you are passionate about something, you have no problem telling people, I am a part of that because our passion is driving. In the same way, it's not enough just to go to church or to sample churches in different churches in your area. God's called us to join, to officially join. We call it membership, to sign up so that the pastors and others, they know we are a part of the mission here at Wendover Hills or at your local church. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says this, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. 
Well, it'd be fun to just stop right there, huh? So my car needs washing. Um, their work is to watch over your souls, and they're accountable to God. Okay, accountable to God. Gets harder for us. Give them reason to do this with joy and not sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. That is my job. That's the leadership's job, is to look after your souls. You know, there are certain people in my life that I'm trying to reach for Jesus Christ. And if they would come on Sunday morning, do you know what I would say? The phrase I would say is this. I am just glad you're here. I'm just glad you're here. But you know, there's other people at Wendover Hills that, that you've been around a long time. You're believers, but you're still playing with church. And do you know what? The phrase, I'm just glad you're here, it's just not enough. It's not true. It's not what we feel as leaders. It's you need to plug in and invest and join and hunker down for all that God is doing through the local church here at Wendover Hills and see how God wants to bless your life because of it. But it's hard to do this well if you haven't joined the church. I mean, becoming a member of the church, it gives you this specific accountability. It gives you this, this care and encouragement, this leadership, this, this input. When you join a church, you know what you're doing? You're putting down roots. And you're actually proclaiming it to everyone that, that this is where I, I'm hunkering in. Here's the common attitude to church, though. I'm here, tentatively, at least for the immediate future, I think. But this keeps us from really experiencing what church can really be about. It's much better for you and I and your church when you declare, I am here, all of me, every ounce of me, and I'll just trust God with the future of what he would have for me if it looks anything different. Here's what Christian martyr Jim Elliott once said, wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt every situation you believe to be the will of God. If you think God has called you to this church to call this as your church home, then plug in and live it to the hilt. Everything that God is doing with us here. We adopt this mindset in our local church. Be all there with all our heart. Here's the second thing is you make local church a priority. Make it a priority. You build, build your lives around priorities, right? I mean, we all do that. We build and we do based on our priorities. Building your life around church means that you're making it the kind of priorities that secondary concerns, they'll flow around, not flow through and take over. Unfortunately for, for some of us, and, and I've fallen into this at times in my life, the things like, you know, the Sunday football games and the hunting season and skiing and sleeping in or enjoying the beautiful weather, those type of things, those are concerns that will run right through us when church is not the priority. Do you remember that... Um, that priority scale that's really popular with believers, sometimes you see it on bumper stickers and things like that. It says, God, family, work. Have you ever seen something to that effect? Um, yeah. I wonder if that scale would hold true in our lives based on Sundays. If we were to look at what we do on Sundays and where church fits as a priority in the local church and being plugged in, not just attendance, but being plugged into the mission of the church— I wonder if that scale would really play out. My hunch is, if we were honest, for many of us, it would say something like family, work, dot, 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 God, somewhere in there. Doesn't mean you're not a Christian. That's not what we're saying. But it means sometimes priorities don't flow out of how we say it. Now, you might think it's, it's easy uh, to say things like, you know, um, church should come before a football game. Let me talk about deeper issues, though. What about an issue of, like, your job. 
or where you move to if you're looking for a new location? Uh, Should finding a perfect job or living in a better city or town be more important than your local church? It's an interesting question to ask because it's countercultural. Most of us think, well, no, if you got to move, you got to move. If you, you know, if you you want a new job, take a new job. If you got to work the hours, you got to work the hours. And we forget about what what plugging into the local church can do on that. People relocate all the times for different climates, better paying jobs without considering their church. We just assume, of course, I'll find a great church to plug into, but it's not always as easy as saying that phrase. So if you are plugged in and you have found relationship, accountability, community in your church, then you have found reasons to make that church a priority in your life as well. Here's another one. You should find ways to serve. Speaking, uh, serving is spending yourself. It's spending your time, your energy, and your gifts for something outside of yourself. Listen to what First Peter 4.10 tells us. God's given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Now, use them well to serve one another. The gifts are not given to you for your own pleasure, though I'm sure you enjoy them. They're given to serve one another. Serving is the fastest way to feel a sense of ownership in the church when you start serving. When you go down the hall and you start investing in the life of our kids down there, now you can go down and you can say, hey, it's one hour a month. I don't have to do much. The teacher plans it. I'm just there. Um, or you can go down and you can understand that investing in the life of our kids is powerful. It's powerful. Do you know how many words I got this week from parents who said, my kid came home and they shared the story that they learned in Sunday school? Well, they didn't just show up, go in the class, and there was a book laying on the floor and they figured it out. They were invested in by somebody who chose to serve them. You know what? Somebody has some ownership in my daughter's discipleship down the hallway because she came home and shared with me the story. That's the fastest way to ownership is when we choose to serve. Listen to what it says, each part in, in, in Ephesians 4.16, each part helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. It's just like that body where every part works together. Now, Friday morning, I poured bacon grease, like I said, down my hand, right? And I have learned, even though it's on the back side of my hand, I can still pick everything up in a palm just fine. It's a... Am- <laughs> I did it wrong? Okay. Next time, I will burn it all. So. But what I learned is, it's amazing how often you use the back side of your hand that I had no idea I used the back side of my hand. Like, this morning, I'm wearing my slacks. Amy Brindle likes to gun me for not wearing just jeans when I wear my slacks, but have you ever tried to get skinny jeans on when you have a burn hand? It's pretty... I don't wear skinny jeans. Come on now. Um, any jeans, I meant to say. Any jeans. None. Um, they're a little easier <laughs> with this. Every part of the body helps. When one, bo- when one piece of the body isn't working, it's, they're not contributing, the body is affected. It seems to me that we grow wrong with this issue when we think our gifts is something like we're born with or some skill that we acquire or we get educated on. But the truth is, from Scripture, all of our gifts and experiences, they come to us through the hand of God. They're given to us, and they're given to us for a purpose. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says this, what do, you ha- excuse me, what do you have that you did not receive? God gave us it. A passionate disciple is always thinking this, what can I do to serve God and others with what he's so generously given to me? 
And then Paul says this in Romans 12, 4 through 6, uh, that in the local church, our gifts belong to each other. And here's what he says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We're many parts of one body and we belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. You can see, serving, how it's so important to plug in to the church. In fact, here's what I tell my staff, that if somebody comes to our church and they plug in, they're coming on Sunday mornings, and they even get involved in one of our small groups or neighborhood groups or Bible study groups, but you never see them actually plug into serving in some capacity of the church, I can almost guarantee you it's about a two-year window at most, and they're gone to another church. Because plugging in, serving, and taking ownership in what God is doing here is so vital to our Christian growth and to every member of the local church. Four, you give. Money is a tangible return for what we've invested in ourselves, right? In our time, in our abilities, our business choices, uh, maybe your personal resources. So for a Christian, giving financially, it's it's very meaningful expression of worship. It really is. It's a way we offer ourselves up to God. When we tithe, we give of our 10% uh, of our income, and we contribute money maybe in other ways that God has called you to here at the local church. We're basically telling God, I I trust you, God. I trust your ways. I trust what you're calling me up to, and I'm funding what you're going to be doing. And we acknowledge, basically, that everything I have belongs to you anyway, God, and so I freely will give back. Here's the challenge that God gave to the Israelites in the Old Testament. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of, of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Do you know that this is the only time where God says, put me to my test in my blessing? And it has to do with the tithe and the giving of money. Here's what Bill Heibel says. The fastest way for a church to plateau is to choose to stop its giving of the tithe. It's as if one says, I love this church, I love the people, but I will not stick my neck out for it. There are many worthy ministries, opportunities all around the world, but because the local church is where you're getting spiritually fed, God has set up that the local church is where we will give of our first fruits, where we give first financially. And if you've never taken the step to obey God on the financial giving side, I just want to urge you, begin that adventure today. And just put God to the test, as his word says, and see what he will do. Matthew 6, 4, uh, 19 through 20, Jesus actually promises that everything we give to him is converted to treasure and reward in heaven that will never fade. Listen, this principle right now in the season of our church is so important that we, we felt it, it was significant to have it as one of our four resolutions. It's our fourth resolution to fund the mission of the church. And it is what's going to help us accomplish the other three resolutions we've been talking about, reaching those far from God, helping those disheartened by life, and continuing our own surrender to God. Five, you connect with people. Passion for the local church involves diving into the community of the local church. It means we do life 
together here uh, at the local church. We do it with other Christians pursuing this relationship with God, and we extend ourselves many times even out of our comfort zone for one another. The New Testament word for this experience in fellowship is, is this word koinonia. Pastor John Lothness writes this, Fellowship, koinonia, is participating together in the life and truth made possible by the Holy Spirit through our union with Christ. Fellowship is sharing something in common at the deepest possible level of human relationships, our experience of God himself. Do you grasp what the church does for us? Is that we can share our innermost being of who we are. Now, I've got a couple people I, I get together with in my life. I've known for years and years. One of them, I've actually known him my whole life, just about my whole life, um, when I was old enough to, you know, to understand knowing someone. And I can get together with this person, and if we were going to talk sports, baseball, football, whatever, we could chat for two and a half hours. But if you want to see me shut down the conversation, all I have to do is do one thing. Ask one question about your spiritual walk. Ask one question about, tell me how it's going in your marriage. One question that, that focuses something deeper inward, and I can shut that conversation down just like that. Because this person has no platform to share that in their life. But the church, we can do that with one another, where we share who we are and what God is doing in my life. You can even go to your, your neighborhood group, and you can say, you know, when Pastor Tom said that, like, it just didn't resonate with me whatsoever. What's he getting at? And there's no threat by that at all. You can start discussing what is God doing in your heart? Why did it not connect with you? Why did it connect with this person over here? And you just start sharing your heart and what's going on. We do that. Fellowship is not just getting together for the big game tonight and having nachos and pizza and those type of things. Fellowship is what happens when we share and we do life together. In fact, the New Testament, it's full of these instructions on what it means uh, to belong to each other. Have you ever noticed these one another statements? I would call them one another commands in the Bible. Here's what they are. We're called to do this. Love one another. We're called to be devoted to one another. We're called to honor one another, to rejoice with one another, to serve one another, to carry one another's burdens. That's a big one. To forgive one another to encourage one another, offer hospitality to one another, to confess our sins to one another. There's a tough one. To pray for one another. Do you know that every Tuesday morning, if you put something on the card that you need prayer for, there's a group of men that get together and they pray. Every single one of you that put anything down, it is prayed for every Tuesday morning. You're prayed for. Do you know that there's, there's a group of women that are getting together every other Wednesday night to pray for the church? Just, just to pray for what's going on at the church. Do you know that somebody called me this week and said, or text me, and they said, is it okay if I get together with a couple other people and we pray specifically for you as our pastor? No, I'm sorry. You can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We pray for one another. We do these things for one another. Every un a one another command shows that the church isn't just merely about programs or meetings or gatherings, but it's about this, sharing life. That's the key. That's what we're about. So what, do you, what should you do in this area? Look, start reaching out to other people. 
Start reaching out. Offer hospitality. Find some practical way to serve others. Don't wait for somebody else to make the first move to come to you. We do that often, right? And then we say, well, nobody really, you know, there's no real fellowship. Nobody came up to me and stuff. Go to them. Your feet work too, right? Take the initiative. Invite them into your life. The final thing on this, and this is really important, super important on this. As you reach out to others, would you please not limit yourself just to people who are like you or people you like? The beauty of the church is that we can come together under the blood of Jesus Christ and have this connection with people of all different walks of life, all different nationalities, all different backgrounds and cultures, and we can come together and fellowship with one another because our core is who we are in Christ. That's our focus. Sixth, our final one here is you share your passion. You share your passion. Have you ever noticed that people who uh, are captured by an idea or a product, they almost instinctively try to share that with other people? And when we like something, we share it, right? Let me show you uh, uh, a picture. All right. Anybody we'll have it? No? <laughs> All right. All right, so let me tell you about a picture that <laughs> I got. So I uh, was sent uh, a nice picture from three different people this past week who thought they were very clever, witty, and funny. And it basically says a CrossFitter walks in a, a bar, and I know because they told everyone the moment they walked in. Um, now, I go to CrossFit. I'm a CrossFitter. And I do post on my social media about my CrossFit workouts and such. So I suppose in some small way the picture was actually true that they sent to me this week, and I suppose if three people sent it, then there's a message to be, t- to, to be shared. Um, <laughs> shut it. <laughs> oh. Now, pretty funny photo that was sent. I wish you could see it. We actually had it, but uh, pretty funny photo that was, that was sent uh, on that in, uh, in Har Har. Um, but do you know why I post so much about, about the, the working out and the things I do? Uh, on that. I work out in a world of people that are far from God. There's only one I know at the gym who I think has a walk with the Lord. That's my mission field. When I'm there, I'm specifically there to work out and to try to open up a door to share Jesus Christ with those people. When I sit around my staff meeting table at this where I work, everybody knows the Lord. There are Christians already, so it's a good thing since they're on your church staff. Um, but when I'm there, it's not like that. And you know, as a pastor, you've got to be intentional to put yourself into a world where people don't know the Lord and that you're reaching out to them. And so that's my goal. Here, here's my goal. It, it's that instead of them at the gym just liking the posts that I put up about weightlifting, my goal is that one day they would like and they would ask about the posts that I put up about my faith in Jesus Christ. That's my goal. And that's why I keep putting it up there. Do you have a place like that in your life? I mean, do you have that type of mission field? A place where you say, I share my passion for Jesus Christ here or with this group of people. Now, I did get a laugh out of the picture, but um, I asked somebody to make me my own picture because I would say for my CrossFit friends at the gym, they would know me by a totally different picture. And this picture says, um, a Christian walked into a gym. I know because he told me about Jesus in two minutes. That's what they would know. Do you have that type of location for your, yourself where you share? When you're transformed by the gospel, you want to passionately share the gospel. 
You want to tell others about Jesus Christ. That passion just spills out. You can't really keep it inside. So passion involvement in the local church, it, it should never be viewed as escape from the world or I got to get away from non-Christians. That's why I got to get plugged into the church. No, as we've said before, the church is God's primary tool to reach the world. It's why every important local church should be reaching those who are far from God. It's our number one criteria of what we do in our church. So we got to look for ways to creatively and naturally, enthusiastically, to share the gospel with other people. Listen, if you don't have that right now, if you look back and think, I can't think of anyone that I've shared Jesus with recently, two things. Number one, just get on your knees and start praying to God and say, God, restore my passion for you. Because when we have a passion for God, we have a passion to share God. And then number two, just say, Lord, show me clearly. Like, put bright lights over their head when I walk by them, the people that you are telling me to speak into their lives, and then just give me wisdom on how to do it. Listen, as you'd expect, the ways you express commitment in the local church, they're essential elements to a thriving local church. It's even for new Christians. Here's where the rubber meets the road. I want you to hear this. Only with a church full of passionate people married to the ministry of God through the local church can any church continue to grow, at least with conversion growth. We don't have much interest in just having transfer growth. We want to see new people come to know the Lord. So this morning, in light of all that I've discussed in the past three weeks, this is what I want to invite you to. I want to invite you to boldly, to commit to fall in love with, to marry your church right here at Windover Hills. We have this, I, I don't know how to describe it, but we have this tremendous, exciting, and long journey up ahead of us. And I, I feel like for me as your pastor, I'm, I'm overjoyed. I'm more excited in my four years about where God is leading us and guiding us in this season of our church than I have been even before. And I want to invite you into that same frame of mind to be looking at the church as this exciting opportunity to plug into and be a part of what God is doing right here. And, and I'm confident that God will continue to grow our church. He's going to expand our ministry. And he's going to grow every single one of you individual Christians right here at Windover Hills. So where do you start this morning? Listen, this may be your starting point this morning. If... The most important thing for you might be the first step of just committing to show up. Do you know what I'm talking about? To just commit to show up. It's an important, important commitment. It's, it's, this, it's this commitment to attendance. To say, I'm going to be in God's house. I'm going to make it a priority to be here. It means that planning trips end on Saturday night. It means when grandma says, come to dinner, you say, we'll be there, but we'll be there for lunch because we're going to church. It's even saying bold things like, my family, we're just going to choose not to play Sunday sports or Sunday travel leagues. Listen, I'm not just blindly telling you this. We had to make the choice in our own family, and you know how sports crazy we are in our own family with three kids. But we had to make the choice, and we had to call coaches and say, we won't be playing in that game or going to those practices on Sunday. My middle son, bless his heart, he got a great role in a community play. And when the, when the practice came out, it was Sunday, three hours every Sunday. And we had to call back and say, it's not going to work for us. I hated doing that as a father. But you know what I hate more? Raising my kids to not value and prioritizing being in God's house. 
And so we had to model it as a family. So your starting point might very well be that, committing to showing up, being in God's house on a weekly basis and letting him bless you because of it. So if that's your starting point, you know, I want to encourage you, just, just go for it. I'm going to bless you. Some of you, you might be surprised if you looked at your percentage of the Sundays you're here and not here over the course of the year. And so I want to just challenge you, show up and be a part of what God's doing. Remember Robert in the Jeep Club? After being challenged at the conference, he committed to the church and his resolve was really to change his life. The day he got home, he logged on to his Jeep website and he posted his final message from the club. Here's what it was. I explained that I was no longer going to be a member. I announced I was divorcing the Jeep club and I was marrying the church. And these days, Robert, he still loves to talk Jeep, but if you really want to see him excited, ask him about his church. There's a passion in his voice when he talks about it. Here's what he says. The Jeep The church isn't just an option for me, he says. It's a lifeline. It's something I really want. I look forward to it, like I did with the trail runs. I'm excited to go to church and to serve, and I'm happy to say that I'm still married to the church. In fact, I just celebrated my first anniversary. I believe this morning God is asking for your hand. And there would be nothing that would be more exciting for me this morning than to perform some marriage ceremonies right here for you committing to your church. Here's how we want to do it. We're going to go into a time of communion. And what's significant about this is Jesus finishes off talking about communion where he says, do this in remembrance of me. And we want to do communion this morning as a response. It's your opportunity to respond to how God is challenging you over the last three weeks to be a part of the universal church in your faith and making your faith in Jesus Christ central and solid in your life. And then the mission of Jesus Christ in this earth to plug in and make it part of this local church here at Wendover Hills and all that that entails. And so in communion this morning as you receive of of Christ, you can be making that commitment in whatever way God was speaking to you in these past three weeks. On the night just before his betrayal, Jesus, he took a piece of bread just like this and he broke it in front of his closest followers who knew him the best and he said this is my body broken for you he's saying you you don't have to live in your brokenness anymore you don't have to wander in life and trying to figure it out anymore you can come and you can be whole with me i believe he offers that through this connection in his church as well and in the same way he took a cup like this and he said this is my blood poured out for you And they knew what he was talking about there because they knew the Old Testament. They knew that what he was saying is forgiveness from your sins comes through the spilling of blood. And when he would go the next day to the cross, they would get it. He was the sacrifice. He still is for you today. If there's something in your life, some disobedience, some sin that has held you back from plugging in with God and being passionate for him, You can confess it right here, right now, this morning, and the same blood covers you. And you're forgiven if you'll you'll confess it to him. As you come, there'll be two stations, or four stations, two in the front and two in the back. As you receive, you can spend as much time up here. If you need to recommit to what God is calling you to on the local church, spend your time at this altar, at these, these stairs, praying to him. If there's something going on in your own spiritual journey, something you need to confess or deal with, or maybe you're just 
you just have this joy built up in what God is doing and you just want to spend time praising him, do that up here as well. As long as you want, praise team knows how to linger and let you spend the time that you need to spend here. Let me pray for you. Father, I believe there's many people here that are passionate about your work here at Wendover Hills and what you're doing. In the corner of it all is that we have a passion of you as our Lord and Savior. And Lord, there might very well be somebody sitting in a seat right now that this is the morning that they're ready to say yes to you and to become a Christian, to become a passionate follower. If that's you this morning, you can simply say this kind of prayer. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I want to live for you. If you pray that, in a moment, you are a child of God. You are part of this universal church we've been talking about. And Lord, I think there's others that they need to come this morning and receive again of your communion and be reminded of the work and the mission you have for them to be a part of right here at Wendover Hills. So Lord, speak the way you need through these these key sacramental elements, we pray in your Son's name. Amen. The Lord's table is prepared. Would you come and receive?